Welcome to the Rick Essential Podcast, an unofficial analysis of Rick and Morty. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how's it going? Good. I am excited about this new podcast, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. Mm -hmm. And those of you who are listening already know this is a new podcast. But I have to admit, I forgot starting a podcast, how it takes a little while to find your structure and how you're going to yeah. do things. So it's kind of a new task. I don't want this to be just Jedi Council Jr., yes. that other <laughs> show. Uh, I want it to be its own. And what I've done already is ruined that because I introduced this show with the same exact inflection and introduction that I do with our other show. So already I've dropped the ball. That's okay. That's okay. I think it's it's just going to be a bit of a work in progress. This will evolve. This show soon. is like, in a lot of ways, like a nice wine. It will just get better with time. That's the goal. Yep. What we're trying to say is we're going to do our best. We've prepared yeah. a lot for this first episode, but we are going to keep working on improving it for yeah. you. Yeah. We've only started one other podcast. Yes. So we're, we're still learning how to start podcasts. Yep. First thing that we want to talk about. So this this show, it's basically going to be an episode-by-episode episode breakdown of Rick and Morty. In each episode of the podcast, we might cover one or two episodes of Rick and Morty, just sort of depending on the content available. A lot of the focus will probably be on mental health, uh, the humor, the story, the psychology. And life lessons. And the life lessons, because there's a lot to learn from Rick and Morty. There really is. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Not always. And it's not always good. <laughs> uh, Some of Rick's life lessons are learned by watching the consequences of his action yeah. rather than the lesson he's trying to teach Morty. Learn what not to do. Exactly. Which yeah. is important. Too. Yeah. We do have a few people we want to thank. Yes. First of all, uh, over at uh, our Jedi Council Patreon page, uh, if you take a look at that. So folks who maybe aren't familiar with Jedi Council, that's the first podcast that Katie and I started. It's where we take a look at mental health and the science of psychology through mental, uh, uh, through fictional characters. And uh, we've got a Patreon page for that. And that's actually what funded this Rick and Morty podcast, which in a lot of ways is kind of a, a, a hyper-focused Jedi Council. Uh, people really enjoyed a mini-arc that we did on Jedi Council about Rick and Morty, so much so that they were willing to give us a few dollars to uh, make the show. And if you're interested in supporting us, you can check it out there. We'll include the link below. Uh, so we want to thank all of our Patreons. Yes, thank you so our much. Our patrons, I guess, on Patreon. Yeah, I, Patreon I can play patrons. those. Yeah. Uh, so thank you all so much. And thanks for everyone who's just sort of shared anything about the podcast that Katie and I have worked on, uh, including the folks over at the Geek Therapy Podcast Network who have been so kind to us to uh, kind of amplify our work. Uh, we also want to thank our friend Murray. Uh, we'll link to his Twitter and his Instagram uh, handles. I okayed with him, that with him ahead of time. He uh, makes some really cool art, and the coolest art of all is the uh, thumbnail that you're sort of seeing right now, uh, which is uh, a really cool Rick and Morty version of Katie and I, which I just absolutely love. If we love this, Murray. Thank you so much. I Seriously, before we started recording, I was kind of zooming in on the details of the letters and and. Brandon's Batman mug and just yeah. thinking how fantastic it is. The colors, the lettering, just everything is great. So thank you for contributing your art, Marie. It's really a big part of this podcast. Absolutely. And another thing I want to say thanks, or, or another person, is the folks ever at the Juris Fiction Podcast. So we had a little bit of trouble naming this podcast. Uh, we jumped around for a few names. Uh, our good friend Lauren suggests Wubble of a Dubcast, which I really thought was a neat name. And then I got to thinking, are people going to have a hard time understanding what it is? I didn't know. I've 
You, I mean, you named our other podcast. I've never named one, so I don't know what. But goes from into that it. experience, I think we did find that some people had trouble finding us, especially since we spell counsel yeah. like counseling mental health yeah. rather than Jedi counsel. And so I think that made us especially want to make be a little bit easier to find. Yeah, absolutely. I think now that enough people have heard of Jedi counsel, I really like the name, and I think it's super clever and awesome. Uh, but right away, it was sort of hard to help people find us, um, which is okay. It's still clever enough that I enjoy it. Uh, but the folks over at Jurisdiction Fiction Podcast, we, I, I threw up a couple polls on Twitter just to kind of get some feedback about this show and what should we call it. And they were the ones who said, uh, how about a Rick's Podcast? Uh, which I really liked, yeah. And so that's what we decided on calling it, the Rick's Essential Podcast, and sort of added kind of a subheading uh, just to kind of explain a little bit further what I, what the show is. Yeah, and thank you. And if you want to check out Jurors Fiction Podcast, they um, their their bio says all rise or levitate, hover, whatever. Jurors Fiction Podcast reviews law and order or lack thereof in fictional TV shows, movies, and music. So we like this a lot because this sounds like kind of the version of evaluating fictional for accuracy, but this is in the domain of law. Yeah, which sounds so interesting. Yep. Uh, if you want to find them, their, their handle is at Jurisfiction, which is J-U-R-I-S-F-I-C-T-I-O-N-1. Is there any uh, surprise that Jurisfiction came up with a clever title for a podcast? I mean, no. they have a history of it. Yeah, they've got really it right clever. there. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's very good. Uh, one more thing that we also wanted to talk about, too, before we dive into this podcast is... We came up with the idea for this podcast quite a while ago, actually. Um, I don't remember exactly how long. I suppose right around whenever the Jedi Council episodes dropped related to Rick and Morty. And we kind of had it stewing, and then we uh, got some extra funding to pay for the hosting and mics and whatever else to have a second podcast, which those costs add up. We're happy to to do that. Um, And then a little more time kind of went on as we kind of got organized, decided what do we want to do with the show. And in the meantime, uh, when we've talked about this on Jedi Council as well, there's been a pretty big wave of uh, stories about sexual assault coming out. And one of the stories uh, and allegations of that is actually uh, Dan Harmon. Yeah, for sexual harassment. Oh, yeah, Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry, Katie. Sexual harassment, which is actually Dan Harmon, uh, the creator of Rick and Morty. And I was pretty uncomfortable actually continuing with the show right away. Uh, I, we, I don't think we ever t- talked about it. It never came up, but I think it was probably going to be a conversation before we rolled down any episodes. Um, but we did kind of want to just talk about that beforehand because it's an important topic and we feel like it's worth addressing before we sort of dive into the show. It is. So just a basic summary, and we'll link to this if you want to know more of the details. But uh, Dan Harmon on his podcast spoke for um, apparently upon recognizing the fact that he had harassed um, a writer for a show when he was working on Community, um, that he ha- the, the scope of his behaviors were problematic, and he had consulted with some friends about the best way to deal with them. What he decided to do was give a public apology. There's, it's about seven or eight minutes section of his podcast in which he goes into detail about the things he did, his mental state at the time, and all of that. Um, he then tweeted something about uh, redeeming himself or being a better person. And Megan Gans, who was a writer with him on Community, said, well, what do you mean by that? Be- because kind of in- implicating that he had treated her poorly. And so he openly said, you know, Megan, I didn't name you because I didn't have your permission, but I apologized on my podcast for the way that I treated you and let me know what I need to do to correct that. I'm paraphrasing. I'll link to it, but that's essentially how I interpret it. And then um, 
Megan listened, and she described how she was affected by this. And, and the gist of it is he was in a, a supervisory position for her, had um, was attracted to her, gave her attention that she told him she didn't want. She uh, said it made her question if he liked her writing or if it was just about liking her. He, um, She felt that, and he said that there was, uh, he lashed out when she didn't return his feelings when he said, I love you to her. And so anyway, what happened is she listened to his apology and she actually said, that's a master class in apologies. You validated that what I felt happened really happened. And that meant a lot to me because at the time I doubted myself a lot and I publicly forgive you. And so it doesn't excuse his behavior, but it does make a difference in that this apparently, this incident, he was devoted to intentionally taking full accountability and making up for it. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact that Megan framed it that way and how Dan Harmon did, it made me feel comfortable again, like he is a person who's truly tried to turn things mm -hmm. around after that happened. And he did face consequences for like a string of his behavior. Mm -hmm. I believe he was fired from community and some of it was due to, I, I, I think he said there was some alcohol substance use involved and maybe some um, just treating people poorly in yeah. the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's been a whole wide variety of responses from men in these situations. Uh, some that have been really disgusting, if I can be so bold. Yeah. Uh, but this, uh, given his sort of response and the response of Megan, really, mm -hmm. we felt comfortable continuing on with the show. Yeah. But we did want to address it at the start. I, we did. And I, and I should say, uh, thankfully, Megan, who's very talented, went on, mm -hmm. um, despite facing yeah. these obstacles to have a successful career. She's written for The Onion and mm -hmm. for um, Modern Family, for yeah. example. Absolutely. So, so I, I, I admire her quite a bit for being open and bringing mm -hmm. attention to this issue and uh, just publicly speaking about how it affected her Absolutely. and and her ability to judge for herself. And so anyway, we just, we, we wanted to name it, taking yeah. it from, uh, and not, not leave it as the elephant in the room, taking from one of our podcasts that we like naming it. Yeah, absolutely. So idea. that being said, let's dive into the content of episode one of Rick and Morty. It's the very first episode, and I remember the first time that I watched the show. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Keith Allslaven, said, Brandon, you got to check out this show, Rick and Morty. And he kind of told me about it and said, oh, that sounds kind of weird and probably not <laughs> How really. did he describe it? Uh, he, you know, he described it right kind of as is. He said, you know, there's this grandpa and this grandson, and they kind of go on adventures. And the grandson, uh, the grandfather is so intelligent uh, that he brings the grandson along to kind of mask his intelligence from the universe. He told that kind of mm -hmm. story. And he said, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Uh, but I don't know if I would have watched it. He ended up throwing up one of the episodes on the TV while I was mm -hmm. there. And I said, oh, you're going to watch this first episode. <laughs> and uh, the first episode's weird. I, I, I think it's a little weird. And maybe I just think it's weird because the show is weird. And it takes a little bit to sort of get it. Yeah. it. There is. You, you realize right away this is really out there. Oh, yeah. And unique. It's hard for me to even think of what I would compare it to. The only show that comes to mind for me is uh, Adventure Time. Oh. Which is a show that I actually don't care for. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which sort of uh, was part of the reason that I was like, I'm not going to like Rick and Morty. Um, but I do like Rick and Morty a pretty mm -hmm. fair amount now. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't watched it in a while, but it reminds me a little when Simpsons takes it far. Or yeah. maybe a little Futurama. But this goes way, oh, yeah. just all the way 
over the line. Yeah. And it's hard for me to think. I mean, I guess some of, some of, I haven't kept up well with, like, adult cartoons, but I guess some of them are in that, in that realm. But anyway, it's certainly unique. And yeah. it is, it is, uh, it takes some getting used to. <laughs> I remember so many people uh, recommended it on Jedi Council and said, no, mm-hmm. you have to cover Rick and Morty, you have to yeah. cover Rick and Morty. And eventually this was enough to kind of prompt you to watch it. And I remember you messaging me saying, I don't know if I get it yet. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I, th- I think that's a really relatable <laughs> response, at least for me, because I, I felt like I didn't quite get it, probably for at least the first half of the season. I felt like there were a bunch of deep things people were detecting that I, that I wasn't. But I have to say, which is weird because I obviously try to read into things. I mean, that's the whole premise of Jedi Council. Yeah. But I rewatched episode one to prepare for this podcast episode. And it was so funny. So, oh, like, yeah. I feel like once you get into that world, like, mm-hmm. you can start appreciating how clever it is. I think exactly. I think I've probably watched the first two seasons probably four or five times mm-hmm. each. And I'm excited to kind of dig into the third season as the whole thing is released. Um, I'm interested to hear you say, I don't want to get us sidetracked already, but that the show has a lot to read into. And I think that's an interesting idea. Uh the Rick and Morty fan base is actually, like, notoriously toxic. I don't know if you know this about this. I heard something, a big dramatic thing about, like, Chicken McNugget dipping oh, sauce. Oh, yes. <laughs> so in the third... Szechuan sauce or yes, Yes, that's what okay. it is. The Szechuan sauce. And in the third season, Rick, like, goes through this very dramatic sort of storyline just to try some again. And, and we'll probably get there when we get to the third season eventually someday. But, but as a promotional... Th- thing mcdonald's brought that sauce back um not related to rick and morty directly anyway but they did sort of put kind of i don't know what's the right word out there art on it and and they have posters but mcdonald's sorely underestimated how (laughs) much uh sauce they would need and and the masses turned out and there was riots at some of these mcdonald's because people wanted this sauce you can buy this stuff by like the jar at a grocery store it's not like it's not a special mcdonald's formula but they just wanted that version and the poster that came with it um so that sort of thing what i i read quite a bit of analysis about it because people going just wild over dipping sauce for chicken nuggets uh is is the antithesis to everything Rick really stands for because he doesn't get caught up in that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. He's He doesn't, that sort of level of kind of petty materialism. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to sort of see these people who who I think want to be Rick, I, I don't know, but get kind of caught up on that. And and I, even Dan Harmon has addressed, like, yeah, the, like this show means a lot to me and I'm, I'm proud of it, but the people who watch it kind of suck. <laughs> Not all of them. But. No, no, no. It's like most big fandoms, right? Absolutely. That there are a lot of people who are awesome. For example, everyone listening to this episode is awesome. Right. But, but when you have those large groups, you do get some more on the fringe who are willing to do stuff that's weird, right? Like, it's the people... Who, I mean, this is in every fandom. Absolutely. Like, in Star Wars, there are haters who are like, don't... Who, like, bash other people yeah. who, like, whatever, you know, about the latest Star Wars movie mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they're always... Or it's like we talked about on Jedi Council on Arrow, the Elicity shippers yeah. and that, like... Who threatens yeah. Stephen uh, Amell's wife. Yeah, I hate to see yeah. fandoms go in that direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and those, are like, the, those are the people that get the attention, of course. It's not the right. people who happily enjoy the show at home and, right. and turn Right, and, like, off. bond over yeah, it. Yeah, it's the know? people who are attacking and, like, McDonald's cosplay. employees yeah. because there's not dipping sauce, of course. Yeah. So. But it is sort of interesting to kind of think mm-hmm. about the fan base. But. It is, yeah. Episode one. I'm already. One. I'm already getting ahead. I'm talking <laughs> That's about good. the This is show. the intro episode. so it's yeah. good. Um, so 
I guess, you know, just starting from the beginning here, uh, you know, you kind of get the sense of what's going on. Morty is sleeping, mm-hmm. preparing a, a restful night before school, <laughs> and Rick just wakes him up. He's got, like, a bottle of yeah. wine or something. He looks some intoxicated of, more yeah. than usual. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, you know, like, got vomit on him and yeah. stuff like he's that. his words. Yeah, so he's not... It's it's kind of odd that he's waking up his grandson, and, and at least for my thinking, I'm like, why? What's the function here? Because mm. Rick, like he he drags him along with him, but it's like he he doesn't seem to have a lot of empathy for him. So, for example, Morty clearly very anxious when they're like flying off, and Rick's talking about basically like blowing up the world and starting over with Jessica, who I think Morty has a crush yes. on, and making them the new Adam and Eve. Morty looks very worried about this idea and Rick really misreads anxiety <laughs> and he's like don't worry Morty I'm not going to hook up with Jessica <laughs> like yeah. he was saying they're worried that his grandfather like no he was worried about the whole world ending thing yeah. that you were talking about and restarting this species so I feel like that starts opening the window for right away early on in the show the antisocial personality features yeah. that Rick has in his empathy not being the best. Yeah, almost non-existent, but certainly we will see more in the future of him being charming and manipulative. Yeah, yeah. like he's he can read people sometimes, but it's to manipulate them to kind of get mm-hmm. what he wants. And in this case, I don't know if he was like, oh, Morty looks upset. He must be worried that I'm going to try to hook up with the crush he has, yeah. which actually logically makes no sense no. and he's like that's not it and then um morty kind of takes the wheel and and rick said um oh yeah it was just a lie what i said it's just an elaborate test to make sure you're more assertive and like he uses that frame throughout kind of like for his own good he's putting them yeah. in these like terrible situations so assertiveness is is interesting i personally that's something that i've had to work on but also clinically had mm-hmm. people Come, I don't use Rick's approach when I'm trying to teach them. Yeah. But um, have you ever worked on assertiveness uh, with anyone you've seen in like a therapy context? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's something that, I've, like you just mentioned, that I've worked on a little bit mm-hmm. myself over the years because it, it's actually a vitally important skill to sort of navigate the world in a way that's comfortable for you and clear for the people around you. So yeah, it and is. And there's like two ends of that. If you don't mind me saying, there are people who are. Um, aggressive about getting what they want, which Rick is like that. And you might work with them on um, moving towards assertiveness by Mm -hmm. toning down some of those things and being more empathic. And then there are people, which is, this is the end I'm more more on, maybe is the, uh, like, agreeableness side Mm -hmm. and not wanting to um, bother people. And so that would be more about, like, strengthening your approach to requests. Yeah, absolutely. I I often try to just identify like four communication styles. So you've got passive aggressive, uh, and then you've got passive, and then you've got just aggressive, and then assertive. And, and you want to get people more towards that assertive one. That's going to be the most adaptive for interpersonal relationships. Yeah, because you're balancing your needs with their needs and the relationship goals exactly. and professionalism, and mm-hmm. it's kind of this middle ground. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just. Uh, learning how to just sort of recognize your needs and communicate those clearly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's not easy for everyone. And no. certainly not for Morty in a lot of times with Rick, particularly early on Morty. Yeah, yeah. And, and Rick has more power over him in oh, a yeah. number of ways, and that would definitely make assertiveness. I mean, truthfully, that's not really what Rick was <laughs> doing no. anyway. No, like, no, no. he really had that plan, and it's just... I. That's the part where I feel like he messes with Morty and his yeah. ability to even 
trust his own impression of things. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, by just kind of, he has him do these things and then he twists it in a weird way. Like, um, you know, like later on as an example that stood out to me in this to just jump a little later in the episode, but we can go back to it, is that, um, or maybe it's a, see they're basically around monsters and um and morty is like you know i want to escape or whatever it is and and rick's kind of like basically like pinning it on his anxiety he's like no i just want to get away from the monsters like that there are monsters everywhere so anyway i feel like that's another thing where it's like morty does try to express himself and then he's told like he's not seeing things the right way yeah absolutely which is uh confusing i'm certain and and doesn't lead to a very sort of stable sense of reality testing Mm -hmm. sometimes or or being able to sort of navigate that relationship and what's actually going on totally and it's also like rick is does frame is like i'm teaching a lesson and since rick is known to be super smart or super intelligent he kind of gains the upper hand that Mm -hmm. way like you know morty you're you just don't understand what i'm actually doing so that's like actually uh horrible yeah it's that's pretty horrible. <laughs> that's my that's my psychological term for it. So so anyway, that happens, and then um, they're at breakfast the next yeah. morning, and um, Doctor Spichemin yeah. is the dad. <laughs> the um, Summer is Kelsey Grammer's daughter, yep. Fraser's daughter, and so many um, good uh, so many good <laughs> folks. There. It's really I just I like their voices. It's fun to hear them mixed in. But basically. Um, the parents are upset because Morty is so sleepy. He's like falling asleep in his his breakfast, and um, Rick's. That's when you also start to get to some of his perhaps nihilistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that he says school's a waste of time. It's not for smart people. You know, it also gets maybe a little bit at the narcissistic idea of like the rules shouldn't mm-hmm. apply to you. And then he's like, "Oh, now we're all supposed to sleep every night." Yeah, it's really hilarious. <laughs> it is, and that's kind of like, even though Rick's doing horrible things, like his the funny parts kind of yeah. make it bearable because it's like obviously they're sh- like he is a horrible person. That's part of why it's so funny, mm. you know. So anyway, they're having a little bit of a of a discussion there, and then we get to his other part of nihilism, which is. Um, he says to Summer, his granddaughter, there is no God, Summer, gotta rip that band-aid off sooner or later. So, like, no sensitivity. No. And doesn't... she has, like, a negative reaction to that, yeah, too, if I remember. Yeah, she does. Yeah, it's not very comfortable hearing that. Yeah, that's just, like, not a real typical thing of a grandparent to right. say, you know? But again, it's kind of like, his whole persona is, like, I see the way the world really is, and, like, it's... Most things are meaningless except yeah. for his adventures because that's fun for him. And he views himself as the one who's supposed to spread this message to his family members. <laughs> I'm excited to revisit that because <laughs> Rick literally meets the devil in uh, not too many episodes away from that. Uh, when uh, Summer starts working for the devil at, an, at a cursed antique store. Ah. <laughs> yeah. and, and Rick meets the devil and sort of like usurps him a little bit hmm. uh, by using science to kind of undo his devilish curses. So I, it's interesting, I mean, maybe at this point, and, and of course it's a cartoon and maybe there's just inconsistencies, but it's interesting that at this point he very clearly doesn't believe in God, but at, he does meet the devil, which is a piece of evidence to suggest that perhaps God does exist in the universe. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, it is, because it's hard to know, like, what things are his beliefs, and some of yes. them really legitimately seem that way, and sometimes it just seems like he's trying to destroy other people's, yes. like... 
mild comforts and joys mm-hmm. in life. And so he's just he's just kind of doing that. Um, but it's interesting because we start to see like the marital and family dynamics yeah. where Jerry is kind of like not okay with Morty. Um, basically being out all night, but, but then Beth having, defends like, missed, it. Having, missed a semester of school or something at yeah. some point? Yeah. Yeah, and Beth is, like, kind of defending her dad. And you yeah. said that they, that's a little later they go into why that might be. Yeah, yeah, because Rick has been gone most of, uh, I think, at least the grandchildren's life, I think, is the understanding. And for a significant amount of time, I don't know if I exactly remember the amount of time, and I think that she's scared to push him away again so i think she she does try to defend him and sort of keep him around yeah know? and and he kind of in a charming way says you made the crap out of those eggs which is charming for rick i wish your mom were here to eat them and she just smiles and basically ignores her husband's yeah valid concerns about their child and focuses more on rick which is such a recurring theme mm-hmm. where rick will be charming to Beth to manipulate her into ignoring Jerry, who is raising and recognizing real problems uh, that are coming about due to Rick's presence. Yeah, yeah, and that's another where you see some of that antisocial mm-hmm. feature, which um, we have a post about on our um, yeah. energetic-council.com that, that reflects some of the mental health mm-hmm. um, aspects that we're seeing here. Yeah, so um, so then it, they go they go to school and um, this part is <laughs> the next part is kind of weird. Is it Frank the bully? I think it is. And Rick does he use his teleporter and just sort of walk out of the wall? I think or yeah, out of a locker, and uh, and immediately. So there's a, Morty is having a run in with a bully who actually has a knife. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Which yeah, pretty bad. Not great. Not great for for the school times, and then. Without hesitation, Rick freezes him with some sort of freezing gun and then uh, just tries to get to Morty and, and says, Hey, Morty, we got to go. I've got stuff to do. And Morty is pretty concerned about this human being that's been frozen right in front of him. And uh, yeah, I think Morty asks, Shouldn't you unfreeze Frank? And I think Rick tells him he'll do it later or something, but but he never does. No, and that's that's a, such a contrast between them is that, like, even though this guy was threatening him with a knife, he's not like relieved that he's now frozen he's like uneasy that yeah. like his grandpa froze him and like <laughs> later on summer says i think it's summer is like oh my god i'm about to walk past frank this is a story i'll be telling my children and i guess she might have a crush on yeah frank think... or something like that and then as soon as she walks by the which is the perfect humor for the show basically the frozen frank completely cracks shatters like, like yeah. shatters like glass and like she's shocked and (laughs) like what is going on and so like rick was clearly lying to morty but in addition to that like that is a very weird thing to happen (laughs) so it's like again you see summer having like you have some semblance of like a a typical high school thing and then like immediately something so weird happens it's a good contrast to kind of show how out there the show is yeah Yeah. it is like right away i'm like and and again watching this again once i kind of understood the broader picture i was that made me laugh pretty hard because it it does kind of the unexpected and like there's something i like about the irreverence or like you know not i know not everyone likes that so for example like the office which we've talked about before is like i there are people who well both of us for example that like that they show michael scott's kind of awful behavior and Mm -hmm. it's awkward but I've had people say, oh, I don't like it. It makes me uneasy. And so I could definitely see people with Rick and Morty similarly being like, I don't like that it goes to those weird yeah. places. 
But to me, that's what's so funny, that it's kind of like a real twisted yeah, <laughs> show. It's weird really sense funny. of humor. And then, you know, as as we talked about um, before, and as we get deeper, there, there do end up being these deeper psychological themes, too, in addition to that. So yeah. It ends up being pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So... So then Morty and Rick are out, out on an adventure to get some seeds yes. uh, that Rick needs uh, for, I don't remember the reason, uh, to sell them maybe or yeah, something. Yeah, all I, I know is he talks about putting them in one of Morty's body cavities. So. Yes, that that does happen. That's my way of phrasing yeah. it. Yeah, but that, that's, uh, I'm comfortable with that level of detail <laughs> as well. But yeah, and the reason that happens is because... Uh, well, first there's the scene where Morty breaks his legs. That was pretty graphic because yes. he falls and breaks his legs because he didn't turn on his uh, kind of leg-powered boots. And, and then they're surrounded by monsters when Rick is sort of saying, like, isn't this way better than being in school? Look, Morty, you'll never learn about that in school, will you? And then they're being chased by monsters and Morty shatters his legs. Then Rick goes to a different dimension to get some healing gel, but uses the rest of his portal gun. It goes pretty wild it, at that it point. It does. Yeah. It gets it gets pretty weird. And I guess like towards, I guess another thing, if I had to pull like when we talk about like uh, Jerry's concerns, he kind of presents to Beth again, and. Beth is like, I'm just glad Morty has a friend. And, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, the social support is good, but I wonder what part of that is her motivated reasoning, basically, for keeping her dad in the picture mm-hmm. after he's been gone. Because, like, yeah, it's great to have friends, but you could also try to teach him some more social skills or, like, maybe he'd be more willing to make friends if he wasn't exhausted and anxious from being exposed yeah. to a bunch of weird stuff all the time. So, I don't know. And then... Morty has, like, kind of, uh, it's like, I think Rick is painted as super smart and Morty is kind of, like, naive on the other hand. But he really, I think, has a sense of who Rick is. And he says to him, you're a monster, you're like Hitler, but even Hitler cared about Germany or something. And it's like, you're like a monster who actually doesn't even care about anything. You know, like, you're not even a bad guy who believes that their cause is the right cause or something like that. Don't really believe in anything. Yeah. You're just just bad. You believe in nothing, Lebowski. Yeah. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. (laughs) Nihilists. All I know about nihilism is mostly from the Big Lebowski. (laughs) Which is a good source, (laughs) All I know from that is basically... Um, sounds exhausting, <laughs> there, and that you believe in nothing. There's a Sith, there's a Sith Lord named Darth Nihilus. Oh, so wow! That's kind of a, I don't know. No, it's it's you know, in terms of um, existential nihilism, I do think that Rick kind of does seem like he yeah. fits that. He doesn't see meaning in school and relationships no. and religion, religion ther- therapy, or kind of that's true. Things. Yeah. The only thing it seems like his kind of like adventure, sensation-seeking yeah. adventures, and science and alcohol, yeah, and alcohol, all yeah. science. That's true. He does see some meaning in science, although he uses it in like a horrible yeah, way, yeah, for sure. Like to like control people and feel mm-hmm. superior to people, yeah, as a means to an end. Exactly, for his more like hedonistic, yeah, kind of desires for sure. And like he definitely, without having ethics, he invents some real weird things that are not. Good yeah. For oh yeah. Super bad. Humankind. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's so important that it's like intelligence is one factor, but there yeah. are many other important factors that people have. There's a lot of good things. That... Like being ethical or mm-hmm. moral, conscious, kinding, or con- kind and loving. Yeah. yeah. Those kinds of things are nice. Yeah. So I think ultimately, basically, the way that it wraps up is that Rick kind of manipulates 
Jerry and says he's not going to lie to him anymore. And, um, you know, then right after that, lies about Frank not being frozen to death. Yep. So <laughs> it's really, he, he's just, you get the sense he's not turned things around. No. Which is consistent he, with that. He paralyzes Morty. Yeah, that's right at not the last good. Second. That is not a good sign. So you kind of get the idea that like he does just enough to convince Beth and Jerry, and even says to Jerry, like I think this is where he does show like some insider perspective into Jerry's. And he's like, "You were the pants in this family." Like he's mm-hmm. saying, "Oh no, you know, if you're what you're really concerned is you're losing authority here." Then I'm going to say, oh, the authority is all yours. But then yeah. he like immediately goes back to doing just what he's doing. It's completely to manipulate the situation. Oh, yeah. So I think that also gives a good sense like what this guy is about. But also that Beth has some areas that are hard for her to see. And I think that's relatable. I think that a lot of us, whether it's our parents or other people, maybe especially if they're missing from our lives for a while, might idealize them and be motivated mm-hmm. to have them around. And she really neglects kind of Morty's needs and her husband's needs and kind of buys into Rick's view. Of course, he plays that off as like he's the expert of everything because he knows science so well and he's so intelligent. So... It's a wild show. So that is... That's the first episode. The opener has a lot in it and it, it is very funny and very weird. And I do like the family dynamic stuff a lot. I think that's cool when they have that in... In uh, weird shows, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> like Arrested Development comes to mind as another yeah. like kind of they go into weird, twisted places with a dysfunctional family. Even that looks less weird as compared to Rick yeah. and Morty, which is saying something. It really it's pretty weird. <laughs> it's very weird, and there aren't a lot of likable people in there. Mm-hmm. I do find Morty likable and Summer, yeah, and even Jerry and yeah. Beth. Actually, all of them but Rick. Yeah, <laughs> Rick's pretty bad, and, and I'll be interesting to or interested rather to explore. Why people do like him as yeah. the series goes on. Because I think people do like Rick. They and, do. And he has many opportunities to redeem himself in even small ways. And very, very, very rarely does he. It's true. You know, there is some research that I recall reading that individuals who have characteristics of narcissism, which we've talked about, he has antisocial characteristics and, and self-centered narcissism type characteristics, that often... People, when they first meet them, they really like something about it, them, mm-hmm. whether it's their confidence or that they're interesting and colorful. I mean, certainly Rick is all of those things. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of weird things going on. He's got an, a totally um, unorthodox view of things. And there's something intriguing that people like yeah. about that. And even just his speaking with confidence, I think, draws mm-hmm. people in. But the research suggests for a lot of people over time, they tend to like the person less if they continue to be as self-centered and yeah. those types of things that they tire from it. So it's interesting to see where this goes. And I, I, I wonder partially if that's why the character starts getting more, a little more sympathy and a little more depth later on. It's like for only so long can it be this kind of um, despicable <laughs> kind of situation. I don't know. I think about that like even in most shows like, Dwight in the office, not yeah. to keep bringing back to the office, but it's like, at first he's just so annoying, but yeah. then as the show develops, you can't help but understand them fuller as a person if you want to keep people interested. So. Yeah, that's a good point. It'll be fun to experience that in this level of analysis as we move through the show, Yeah, I guess. so what's our life lesson? 
or uh, our Morty mind blower. <laughs> Morty as mind blower. Yeah, as Marie suggested. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Our closer life lesson, or as we like to call him here, Morty mind blower, <laughs> for this episode. Well, I have one that is don't drive your homemade space shuttle while intoxicated that's important that is maybe that, one of the most important yeah i mean that's say. a silly one for sure that i is. don't know what we were looking for if it was meant to be more serious um school is important that's something that i think uh, that rick says you know school isn't important and 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 you have to ask someone to use the bathroom and and that's a whole bunch of bad stuff i think there's a lot of good things to be gained from from education uh that's a, a, a morty mind blower <laughs> um, what's our threshold for how mind blowing has to be the the big know. the thing that stood out most to me and honestly i think that it was partially influenced going back to what we said before starting this episode and i don't i don't know that it was influenced by the situation all but about megan gans and dan harbin having this interaction and Harmon actually saying like i behaved in these horrible ways and gans saying like it's vindication or validation that you're admitting that I experienced these things. And like, honestly, maybe it's just coincidence, but the dynamic of Morty being presented, like he's just an anxious kid versus like, he's being exposed to a bunch of stuff that would Mm -hmm. make anyone anxious. Mm -hmm. And like every time he tries to express or assert something that's totally reasonable, realistic, he's kind of like, um, I guess like stomped on by Rick over-intellectualizing mm-hmm. some explanation about how that's not really what it is. And yeah. so, I don't know, that kind of struck me as uh, a little deeper than the first time that I saw the episode. Yeah, yeah that's really... I, I like that horny mind blower right. a lot more. I don't know if it's true, but we speculate on this show. Right, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can never know for sure in the world of Rick and Morty. It's true. What do they call that? Because this, this plane of existence does get destroyed, and they eventually call it... It's named after some director, I think. When everyone turns into monsters, what is it called? I don't know. I can't remember. We'll get to it. We'll get back to it. It should be in my in my memory, but it, it just isn't. All right. How, how are we going to finish this show? I don't know. I think that we can say those are our thoughts on <laughs> on uh, the Rick's Dental Podcast for the first episode. Yeah. And we would love to hear yours. What we miss? What what kind of things did you notice from that episode? Tweet at us. Let us know. Yeah. Sounds great to me. Uh, we'll call it off there then. Uh, we're going to go on an alternating schedule. So if, you, if you're new to this show, uh, maybe this is your first show of ours that you heard. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, on the off weeks, you can catch us at Jedi Council, our other podcast where we explore mental health and all sorts of pop culture. That's C-O-U-N-S-E-L. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, uh, I'll just I'll just say goodbye. Ha, ha, ha.